Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Identity course is sensational. If you want to do that, podcast listeners, we're recording this tonight, you need to contact the office and you'll be supplied uh, details of how to connect and do and engage and really get blessed through this course. This is probably the course and the revelation, the reality check of understanding who you are in Christ. The difference between doing religion is paying homage to God at a distance and a lot of liturgy, and I love liturgy, I love mainline church, I don't want to get that wrong, love doing communion and especially just being in these, these, these great churches, but we've got to be careful that in that sense we don't get a distance between us and God, and in this sense, because of the flash and the, you know, all the wonderful stuff we do, we don't get a distance between our God and you get caught looking at Pastor Julie and... and, and, and you know, the worship team, come on, guys, engage. God, God is spirit. You are spirit. Engage in God in spirit. The bottom line to living on planet Earth is to seek him while he may be found. So in the days that you have, in the days that you're privileged, in the 24 hours that you have in every day, you have, it actually says in a book of Acts, chapter 17, that wherever you live, you are purposed to seek him in that place. You have purpose to seek him. So uh, look, if you're living somewhere nice, fantastic, but you've got to seek God, you know. If you're an astronaut, you end up on the moon. You've got to be seeking God. I don't care. God's the God of the universe, amen? So the mission, the mission that we have is, of course, to send Garth and Jamie to Nairobi, and we've done that. And uh, But the mission that we have is to seek God with all our heart. Seek God with all our heart. All our soul, all our mind, all our strength, all our mind. And, and this, this will help you understand this revelation that Pastor Phil has written. It will help you understand your identity as a spiritual creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you are a new creature. You were born once. You had no choice in that. You were born by your beautiful parents. But you have this awesome opportunity to be reborn, born again, we call it, amen, born again. And you have opportunity by your own volition, by your own choice to do that because your spirit is independent from God until you do that. And God, he's given you that free will. You can be on this planet and just live your, you know, independent life and do it yourself as like a two-year-old. I'm do it. Jessica used to say, do it myself. I do it. You try and do a shoelace up. She'd take the shoelaces back off you and do your own shoelaces. They'd be in a tangled knot, but she'd done them. And uh, we can do that. We can do that. So the key thing to understanding our identity in Christ is this, that your self-image that oftentimes gets banged up, especially, unfortunately, especially going through school. I don't know why, but school is just a total, who can put their hand up, it's a battlefield of, you know, of, of many different levels of, 
that's why you've got to teach your children young. There's a war over their hearts, man. There's a war over their souls, and they can be taken out at such an early age, even in school. Amen? Thank God for good school, and thank God for schools. And I'm not putting schools down, but it's just, it's just the way it is. You put a whole bunch of people together, and it's, it's, you know, it's an amalgamation of many different vying spirits and uh, interests and um, whatever. And, and, of course, kids get caught up in it. Innocent kids get caught up in it. And sometimes we get hurt from that, and our self-image gets damaged. Sometimes our parents do that. They say things over us that hurt us. Maybe it's, a, it's a, an authority figure, and, and it hurts us. And um, I'm seeing nodding, nodding. It's just so... Uh, some of the greatest people, some of the great men and women of God, it's amazing the hand that they were dealt or the abuse. Joyce Meyer is a classic. Why do Australians love Joyce Meyer? Because her self-image was so brutalized at a young age. She was abused. She was really abused emotionally, physically, spiritually. She was traumatized. And of course, that really damaged her first marriage. Her first marriage, I don't think, lasted. And of course, now, because she found her identity in Christ, she got victory of that she is greatly loved by God and that this is the deal that we understand that we're loved by God, that we're children of God. What's your identity? So when someone says to you, sister, what did you do last night? I went to see three tugger. Are you a Christian? And your self-image just goes, oh, you just feel the wince. You feel like, because they're looking at you going, basically in their look at you, Are you kidding? You go to church, you know, and you go, oh, my self-image is just copped a mortal blow. What about when you say to someone, you know, that you went to church, I bet you got friends that say, you go to church, what's your name, buddy? Philip, it's a great name. One L or two L's? Two L's, ah, sorry. Um, (laughs) But I'm sure that you've got friends when you say, I go to church, and and, and they look at you, you kidding, Philip, you two L, Philip, you go to... You go to church and all of a sudden your identity is threatened, isn't it not? It's threatened because it's derogative, it's a spirit sometimes that comes with it, that they look down at you, and your self-image is challenged. Jesus was challenged in the desert. If you are the Son of God, Satan said to Jesus, turn that rock into bread. Man shall not live by bread alone. We never respond out of someone having a go at us in a negative way. Don't respond to people if they just, no, we respond to faith. If you are the son of God, cast yourself down from that high ground. We're not to test God like that. Jesus had his self-image really tested big time, but If you remember, when he was baptized in the Jordan, (laughs) from the sky came a voice. And this was an account of many people that were there. A voice came out of heaven saying, this is my son, who I'm well pleased. In fact, this is my beloved son, in who I'm well pleased. It's so important that fathers affirm their children, affirm their spouse, so important. There's a lot of power in affirming our children in the affirmative. Amen? And Jesus knew who he was. He, people would challenge him every which way. I am the bread of life. 
I am the door. I am the life, the truth, the way. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall live. Constantly, Jesus was affirming who he was. So important to have our self-image in God. So even if the most important person said something at you, you might flinch a bit, but you'd still stand and say, friend, I don't care if you are a very important person. I'm a child of God. And that's a good day. That's an awesome day. When you can say, God is love and there's no conditions. Just because I had a bad hair day today, it doesn't matter. I stand approved in God. He loves me. He loves me. I, I, I know I didn't go to church. I know I didn't pay my tithe. I know I've lost my Bible. I know I'm not listening to Christian music. But guess what? He loves me. I'm a child of God. And that's a great day. When you know you are a child of God. Isn't it not? Peter has a full-blown spiritual encounter with Jesus. He's an uncouth guy, uneducated. He comes from probably Wyong. I don't know. but Jesus said to him, Peter, who do they say that I am? You're Christ, the son of the living God. Whoa. Blessed are you. Blessed. So what's the first thing he realizes about his self-image? Peter, the disciple Peter, the Peter that walked on water, the fisherman, he realizes he's blessed. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Man didn't give you that revelation. My Father in heaven gave you that revelation. And upon that rock, that revelation, Peter, not Simon now, Peter, Peter means stable, sturdy, meaning that Christ is inferring a new destiny on him. So Peter is being told he's blessed. Simon, you're Peter. And upon this rock of revelation, I'm going to build a church. That's purpose. He just got his purpose. He's got his self-image. He got his identity in Christ. And he realizes, man, I just thought I was an uncouth, uneducated fisherman. Man, this this Jesus, he's telling me. I'm a history maker, a nation shaker. He he says he's going to build this organization called the church upon this revelation that I had that he is the son of God. This is a good day, church, when you get your identity in Christ. James 1.23 says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. That's why I was talking about the Bible. You've got to get into the B-I-B-L-E. You've got to read that Bible. You've got to read it for what it's worth. You've got to find your identity in Christ. You've got to find who you are in Christ. You've got to sustain yourself. You've got to invigorate yourself. You've got to reformat your mind. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to allow the Spirit of the Lord God to use this as a scalpel to cut down and cut away the negative things that people have said over you. And whatever the baggage that you have, it's going to be cut loose in Jesus' name by the Word of God. Unless you pick this Bible up, you will never realize who you fully are in Christ. 
And being in Christ is a fulfillment of the New Testament lifestyle. Can I say that? It's being in Christ. That's why the metaphor that Pastor Phil uses, Spider-Man, Superman, all have these suits they get into. Avatar gets into this suit and they can function in another environment or another level. They can function with great abilities to transcend time and space, to do amazing things, to fight, to protect. They're superheroes, basically, because they're wearing the clothing of a superhero. Amen? And that's what being in Christ, when you are saved, the Bible says, theologically says, that you are found in Christ, meaning that when God the Father looks down upon you, he sees the righteousness of God first, the perfection of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. He sees that and he looks at you with unbridled passion. There's nothing more that you got. Look, you did sensational tonight. You worship. Someone gave $10,000 tonight in the offering. Fantastic. Well done. But I'm telling you this. It hasn't changed the quality of God's love to you, my friend. He loves you. He loves you with an unbridled passion. That's your identity, that you are a child of God, that he loves you. He's lavished his love on you. I know some of us, you know, have a trouble with that because our mind interprets things and, 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 and it doesn't drop down into the very recesses of our spirit and we're unable to receive that great love and feel that love on the inside. There's blockages, there's strongholds. But I know this to be true. His love is undiluted toward you. You haven't done anything that disqualifies or waters or taints the purified presence, power of his love in your life. When we realize that, we realize that we are in Christ. Because you can't get that by good works and you can't get that by just being nice. You're in Christ. And when you're in Christ... It's awesome. James 1.24, let's, let's lay some scripture in. For he observes himself, goes away after looking in the word of God, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues and is not forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Our problem is we forget the things we should remember and remember the things we should forget. Isaiah 43 verse 18 says, Do not remember the former things, guys. Don't keep harping on about them. Don't keep reciting. I found, met up with my school friend at Kulangata. The C3 National Conference was ballistic. It was amazing. We met there for three days nationally as the C3 Conference. I have a friend up there, uh, unchurched, and I used the opportunity to ring him up and I, you know, have a meal with him. And I found myself sharing stories that we'd had in common from the 70s. Uh, and they're funny stories, but they're stories that really don't glorify God. And I felt to myself, oh, I did a disservice there of having time with that person. Do you know what I'm saying? And we did. We teased out a little bit of the gospel. We teased out a bit of our lifestyle since, since getting saved. But I just felt, why am I rehearsing this stuff? Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, Isaiah 43 verse 18 says. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. 
I love this. And Pastor Phil, he makes this statement that we've got this identity amnesia, this spiritual amnesia. Jason born in the born identity. He takes a knock to the head. He wakes up. He doesn't know who he is, but he's got all this latent potential, you know, this latent ability. He can fight, break bones, defend himself. He can, he can do amazing things. He says, man, I'm, wow, this is, what am I like this for? He doesn't know that he's been trained like that. And Pastor Phil is saying, this is exactly what's happened to the body of Christ. We get saved in Christ and we don't realize that we can pray. We don't realize the image, the self-image that we should have, that we're greatly loved by God and he loves us and we have great potential in him and that we can utilize all this giftedness in him. Amen? He says, we just live a normal life. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, you're a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. You're a new creature. I've got to read that scripture out in the Amplified because it says it so powerfully. You're a new creature in Christ. It says in the Amplified Version, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith, faith is the key, in him as Savior, he's a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, meaning the precious moral spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Because spiritual awakening brings new life. That's what the Amplified Version says. Spiritual amnesia. So we talked about, I guess you've studied, the, you know the story of the prodigal son. Father has two sons. The oldest son, the youngest son. The youngest says, look, I want my inheritance. I want what's mine. I want it now. Father distributes the inheritance. The young son takes it. He takes it to the Gold Coast. He spends it. He ends up. Broke, destituted, begging on the streets maybe. He says, I'm better for this. Wow, hang on. He comes to his senses, the Bible says. He comes to his senses. He goes back to his father's place and he's thinking his father is going to just, you know, you know, really rebuke him, not receive him back. But you know the story. The father's waiting on the veranda and he's got a big smile on his face. He says, that's my son. Come on, boy, come. And the son goes, wow. My father's love is so wonderful, so amazing. Receives him, puts a ring on his finger. He can do business now and where they put that ring in the, in the wax or the clay. That's the ring to do the father's business. Jake, you can do the father's business. Do you know Father God has a family business called the church? He wants you to be a part of it. He wants to give you a ring so you can do some, do some business, save some souls, heal some people. Puts a, puts a robe on him, the robe, the robe of righteousness, the robe of righteousness, and put shoes on his feet. Why shoes? Because slaves didn't have shoes. Put shoes to say that he's a son. You're a son, Peter. Never forget that. You're a son. In that moment, we realize, oh my goodness, Father God, you love me. So much. See, the younger son knows what he has but forgets who he is. I'll say it again. The younger son knows what he has but he forgets who he is. The older son knows who he is but doesn't understand what he has. 
The prodigal understands what his inheritance is, but doesn't understand his character. He didn't realize who he was. He knows what he has, but not who he is. He's a child of a noble, righteous man. That's his father. The fruit of his father's life is success, wealth, the blessings of God. Hence, that's what Ra was talking about. He wants the fruit of his father's life, but not the root of it. The root of his father's godly life is character. The fruit from this character is blessing. He lays claim to his inheritance. However, he squanders it on worthless pursuits because he doesn't realize who he is and doesn't realize what to do with it. The scripture says in Proverbs 20 verse 21, a premature inheritance is always a dangerous proposition. An inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed in the end. Our inheritance from God is appropriated step by step. Listen, young people, so we can consolidate our position after each step of possession and victory. Exodus 23, 29 says, but I will not drive them out in a single year. You're not going to come, Mr. and Mrs. Wonderful, overnight. This is character training. This is weeks, months. This is boot camp. You know, you might have to do a couple of years to perfect some character trait in your life. Amen? You might have to go through some grueling. You might have to go through the, tense of being, the, 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 the test of being offended to prove yourself that you can forgive. You might have to go through a period where you're giving a lot of finances to God to show God that you were generous. One guy came into our church years ago. He says, God's called me to double tithe. Praise God. That went for about a year because he knew he had a problem with tithing. He said, I'm going to double tithe. And now he's just away and running. It's part of his character. He's generous. Amen? So life really is about on planet Earth going through the trials, going through the tests, perfecting Christ in us, in Christ, allowing Christ but then to flow from us. Because the divine nature of the Father is in you. You want to be generous. You want to love. I don't want to love. Yes, but it's in you, my friend. I don't want to be generous, but it's in you. I'm sorry, we should have showed you that fine print. Uh, yes, you're going to give your life to Jesus. Welcome, praise God. Yeah, give it up there, all right. So now you're going to be generous. No, I don't want to be generous. I just want to go to heaven. I, no, you don't understand. God is love. Now you got love. you got the virtue of love in you now. and It's just going to have to work out some way or another. Otherwise, you're going to have a log jam. You're going to need a, you know, you're going to be constipated with love. You're going to need an anema of a Holy Ghost meeting where you get love through you. I don't want to love. My personality is not to love. Thank you very much. One lady said, I haven't cried since the war. I lost my husband in the war. She was, you know, unfortunately traumatized. Her husband was lost in the war. She went to a revival meeting. All of a sudden, gully racket, just crying, crying, crying. God wants you to cry. God wants to give you emotions. Amen? He's in you. He's in you. And that's your image. The nature of who God is, is in you. The virtue of who, the essence of who God is in you. And as much as you want to hold it back by your personality traits, God is at the same time trying to, by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the word, perfect his son Jesus in you. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate, Exodus twenty three twenty nine, and the wild animals too numerous for you. 
little by little, I will drive them out before you. If you partner with God, you're going to drive out those little demons. You're going to drive out those inconsistencies in your character, in your nature. You're going to drive them out by the power of the word, by the power of the spirit, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. What's the land? The land is your identity in Christ. We possess our promised land piece by piece. God allows time, warfare, and tests, so we're established in each piece of land we possess. We maintain them. We learn to maintain living our lives in the reality of the truth we have appropriated. I think it's Philippians 3.16. Nevertheless, to the degree, say to the degree, that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. The Israelites of Canaan forgot who they are. The Israelites balked at entering the promised land because it was infested with giants. They stepped backwards away from what seemed impossible to them. Numbers 13.33 says, Then we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in their sight. In fact, Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews 3.19, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They shrank back. The book of Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews 10.35, So do not throw away your confidence, C3 Tugra. Do this course. Don't throw away your confidence to reach the promised land of who you are in Christ. Don't throw away your confidence yet. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. 10.36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back. Amen? And are destroyed. But to those who have faith and are saved. That's why we love Joshua and Caleb. They had a different spirit. Even when they were under pressure, they knew that they were a people of God. They knew that they could be victorious. The rest of the congregation, the Israelites, I'm saying, they perished in the wilderness. But God told them, you're going to possess the land. Why? Because I've given it to you. I've given it to you. I've given your identity in Christ through my son's sacrifice on the cross. I've given it to you. Lay hold of it. Take it. I've given it to you. Deuteronomy 1.39. Moreover, you little ones and your children who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it and they shall possess it. So what's happening, there's a new generation arising all over the world of new generation, new creation people, New Testament people. Understand the theology of who they are in God, but understand the revelation of who they are in Christ and they're taking possession of their New Testament living. Gideon, just quickly, he forgets who he is. Judges 6.12, this is for someone. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor, you mighty people of valor. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So the Lord calls Gideon a mighty man of great courage. Yet he is hiding in a wine press, trying to thresh wheat. He is hiding from the Midianites who are regularly attacking Israel, destroying all their crops, keeping them poor, 
And Gideon's reply to the angel is that basically he's nobody. Judges 6.15 says, So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? How can I save Wyong, Tagra, Central Coast? How can I even save my own home, my parents, my brother, my sister? I am the least in my father's house. He's got it right there. He's got basically an identity crisis. He doesn't know who he is in God. Philippians 3.6 says, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. And I believe this is the days that we're going into where the church is being persecuted as we speak. And even in our world, we're going to be persecuted. You're going to be mocked on Facebook. You're going to be mocked openly for being a Christian. Let's be honest. Is that true or not? You've got to keep going, but don't shrink back. Don't become a closet Christian. Don't hide your Bible when your friend comes over. Hide the Bibles. Hide the Bibles. Hide the Bibles. Hide that newsletter. Hide that. Let no one know that we are Christians. Otherwise, we'll be persecuted by the people we shop with, do life with. Concerning zeals, Philippians 3, 6, lastly. Persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. All that stuff, the great house, the great car, the accolades that we have, Paul is saying, all this great stuff, my importance as a zealous Pharisee, most learned man in his time, the great mind of Paul, Saul his name was, taught by Gamaliel, the Pharisee, was, was being groomed as one of the greatest Pharisees of his time. He said, I consider it all loss. I consider all that theology, all that stuff, all that great understanding, all the wisdom that I have from the greatest philosophers, because he could argue with anyone. He could argue with the, the greatest atheists. He could argue with anyone, but he could stand his ground, and he did for two years. He did, and he argued, and he argued. He had the greatest debates. Christ. But Christ, Christ, Christ kept on coming at him. And he's two years out. He goes, man, that's not getting me anywhere. Just argue. And then he turns up in the book of Corinthians chapter 1. He says, it's about Christ and him crucified. It's basically done. It doesn't mean need me to argue about it. It's Christ and the power that he's given us through that great sacrifice on the cross. I've, got to, I've just got to read this. Yet indeed, I also count all things are lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, that I may be found in Him. Can we just say that? And be found in Him. Underline. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but which, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on, C3 Tagra, 
that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also lay hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, my past, my, my self-image, my bad self-image, and what people are saying about me behind my back, and, and, but I'm pressing on, forgetting those things that are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, which is Christ. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward goal of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many are as mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.